Hi everyone, I'm Anissa and welcome to the Sleeping Tea Podcast. Every prototype that I fail, I find out why and just keep on improving. And when you get the final product, it's actually more rewarding that way. Over here, we don't spill the tea, but rather sip it. Each week, we have real conversations with people who have gone against the conventional thinking about what it means to be successful. So grab a cup of tea and join me on this episode. Hi everyone, on today's episode, I'm excited to have with us Jackie, the founder of Triple Eyelid Carpentry Studio. Welcome Jackie, thank you for taking the time to join me on the podcast. Hi Anissa, thank you so much for inviting me. No worries. So the first question that I usually ask my guests is, how did you get started? Okay, so uh, the studio actually got started back in May 2014. And uh, I was an interior designer back then. So um, as an interior designer, I actually saw quite a lot of waste material in job sites. So I wanted to change things. Uh, and I realized that local design studios, they don't really care about the environment as much. And uh, I find that I should um, combine my studies, which is in environmental design, together with my love and passion for furniture making, and just start the studio making both of that. Oh, okay. So did you always uh, wanted to be in the carpentry field? Because I heard that you were in interior design previously. So what was the reason why you decided to start a carpentry studio? So yeah, for um, interior design, previously I was an interior design consultant. So <clears throat> most of the time I was just behind the laptop or the desktop and uh, talking to clients, you know, nothing really um, real comes out from my design. Uh, and I... I always design things that I don't get to see. Uh, for example, like uh, overseas retail shops. And I have a lot of uh, overseas projects that it's always been passed to uh, other contractors to, to handle. And I realized that I need to do something real uh, with my hands. So that's why I, I started this. Mm, I see. Okay. So um, starting a carpentry studio is definitely not like a, a norm in Singapore. So when you wanted to start it, were you like unsure at first? Like, did you have any hesitation before you started it? Uh, yeah, because uh, initially it wasn't meant to be a carpentry studio. And uh, I actually want, just wanted to have a design studio focusing on upcycling. So it doesn't matter really what materials. I just wanted to experiment with ways and how we could um, reuse them in a clever way. So carpentry is really something that I picked up and, and focused along the way. And uh, that's why I fell in love. Uh, and one thing to just uh, let you know, I didn't have any carpentry background. So I actually learned everything online and through experiment and failures. Just try out, you know, during my uh, first year as a studio. Oh, okay. So you mentioned that you actually learned on the job. You didn't have any background in the beginning, so you had to learn it on your own. So I'm sure you had did you go through a lot of trials and errors in the beginning? Were there times when you wanted to give up? Like maybe you wanted to make something, but it didn't turn out the way you wanted? Actually, no. That was the most fun part when I failed. And uh, I can get to keep experimenting new ideas. The journey was uh, like keep failing. And then every prototype that I fail, I find out why and just keep on improving. And when you get the final product, it's actually more rewarding that way. Oh, I see. So you, you took the failures and then you, you made, made it better than what you initially wanted. That you found like solutions. Yeah, that was the fun part. Oh, okay, okay. So that was the fun part for you is to actually find things that 
um, that are not working and then find better ways of doing it. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Actually, um, a couple months ago, I I took a woodworking class in uh, I don't know if you know it's uh, XPC at um yeah. Home Fix. Yeah, yeah. Thai Sing yeah, there. I know the guys there. Oh, you know the guys there. Okay. Okay. I mean, you all have your own community, so. It's a very small community. <laughs> I can imagine. Yeah. So I I was taking this like a uh, two box making class. Yeah, and actually it was like six hours. It was like so much work put into it. So like we had to cut the wood and then we had to sand the wood and then we had to varnish and all that. Yeah. So it is like pretty labor intensive to make furniture and things like this. It, How did you is... manage to do it all by yourself Yeah, in the beginning? Because I had all the time in the world. I just quit my interior design job at the time. So I just put all my time into making things and then just finding the best glue and the best material, uh, just keep on uh, experimenting. And you just have to be very meticulous. I think um, seeing the final product actually makes everything worthwhile. Mm, yeah, I agree. Actually, when I found, when I saw the toolbox I actually made, I was like, oh, that's actually not so bad. I actually made something with my hands. Yeah, and actually, uh, things that, the things that you make yourself, you are actually more likely to treasure it and less likely to throw away. Yeah, because you actually know what like the effort that you put into making things like this. So, do you see that in Singapore there's actually like an increase in amount of uh, waste like being thrown away? Have you noticed like over the years? Because you've been in this um industry for about five years, right? Yeah. So, have you seen like a gradual increase in the waste, or have people really started stepping up in recycling and upcycling that thing? I think as a whole, upcycling is a uh, is a growing movement in Singapore. Yeah. But as as an individual, I think still Singaporeans are still quite wasteful. We we tend to throw away a lot of things um during like uh New Year times or like uh very shift houses. So I think there there could be more actions done to help um homeowners repair or, or get new ideas to upcycle their their existing furniture. If they want to change it, why not just repair it? Oh, okay. So I actually read that your main material that you get are from pallets, like a used pallets. So are there any other materials that you use besides this, or is this like one of your go-to materials for now? Yeah, right now my, the focus of the studio is uh, reducing pallet wood, uh, but we also incorporate like um, cement, like waste cement from um, uh, job sites, and also copper pipes, and uh, sometimes like scaffolding things that are, you know, mm-hmm. just a little damage and people just tend to throw them away. So we try to reuse them uh, and see what we can do with it. So it's all up to the creative mind. Okay, so are there actually a lot of pallets being wasted in Singapore? Uh, actually, I am working with Excel Industrial Studios uh, currently. So we are actually mm-hmm. uh, merging with them. So they are originally my supplier for all this waste wood. So what they do is they will take Likely damaged pallets and repair them. So that has been uh something that they had they, they were doing for the past uh eighteen or fifteen years, and uh, the pallets they are beyond repair. They will pass it to me, and then I will remove the planks um and try to make them into furniture. So that that way we have a full cycle for these pallets. Oh, I see. I see. Okay. Ah, that sounds interesting. So you did mention just now that you have a degree in environmental design yeah so do you think that that degree actually helped you in starting this business uh i think more or less there there's a part of uh, the, the studies that helped out 
because I, I studied that in Australia and the culture there is to always DIY and repair things by yourself. So uh, designers don't really have a job there. Everyone can design their own furniture. So that's why I, I find that uh, Singaporeans like the DIY know-how. And if we all know how to repair or build our own furniture, there's really no need to keep discarding and buying new things. Oh, okay. I mean, the culture in Australia is, is different than Singapore. You can make your own, they make their own furniture, is it? Yeah, it's more, it's more like uh, that kind of, it's, it's the norm to them. And to us, uh, we find such a chore to buy tools and we can't even do simple woodworking at home because of noise. So yeah, it's just, just a different yeah, I think noise and space actually affects it. Like we don't have also a lot of space to do woodworking. Yeah, and that that's kind why of we have, uh, sometimes we will open up our workshops to DIY enthusiasts so they could bring their ideas to us and we just let them use the workshop to do their own stuff. Mm, okay, okay. Um, so you've been in this uh, carpentry for about five years and then now that you mentioned that you're now conducting uh, workshops for the public. Do you still remember what was your first order that you had? Uh. The first order, we had our first major order uh, from a cafe. So it's actually mm. in Bugis. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still there. It's called Rabbit Hour Depot. It's an ice cream cafe. Mm-hmm. So we actually got commissioned to do all the furniture for that cafe, which is something that they really have faith in us because uh, at that time, I, I really have quite basic carpentry skills. But we have to make sure that everything is safe. So we, we do a lot of thorough testing and make sure that all the furniture are safe for use before we can uh, deliver them. Oh, so were you the only one working on this project? Uh, no. Or did you have had other people to help you? I had I had two uh, ex-classmates who helped me along. Oh, they were also interested in woodworking as well? Yeah, so we, we were all interested in reducing waste and doing more DIY. So that's why we first started. Mm, I see, I see. Okay. So how was how was that feeling when you actually completed your first order? Oh, it was very tiring. Because uh, we had a deadline to reach and uh, everything was, was uh, quite chaotic. Mm. Uh, we didn't have proper project management back then. So it was something that we wish we had known before we started all this. Yeah. Mm, so you all had to do all the gathering, all your materials, and then finding a space and... To do all the woodworking as well. Yeah, and and see what we have. Yeah, so upcycling is something like um we we find what we have and design based on the products or the, the materials that we have. So sometimes mm. it's challenging and restricting, but I, I think uh it makes the product very unique that way. Oh, okay. So where do you usually find all these um materials to upcycle? So when I first started, I actually have uh, I still have a lot of designer friends. So they would actually tell me uh, which job sites have which material. Uh, do I want them? You know, uh, my friends and family, they would actually uh, try to uh, find usable items like maybe a table leg or broken furniture and see if I want to recycle. Uh, so all, all this actually helps me, you know, all the, the people around me actually supported what I was trying to do. Oh. And uh, recently, because uh, I'm working with Excel Industrial Supplies, so uh, I actually have a constant supply of pallet wood right now. Oh, I see. Okay. So you mentioned that you actually had a lot of support from your friends and family. Because um, I think it's quite rare It's quite rare in Singapore where, I mean, uh, our family support like doing things that are not related to making, maybe making a lot of money or things like that. Would you say that your 
family is like pretty unique in that they support you even though it's not uh like the normal career that they would expect you to have. Uh, my family is very supportive, and uh, the other thing is they I usually don't ask for permission, so I do what I want, and they just <laughs> have to support. <laughs> that, that, yeah, that's so, one way to do it. <laughs> yeah. So for my family, uh, actually told them about this studio only after like maybe one month after I started the studio. And yeah, so, what was so that reaction? Uh, my, my mom was a bit um, disappointed because uh, I, I at the time I just came back from my studies and she was like, why, why are you a Karanguni? <laughs> <laughs> after like, sending you for studies, why do you come back and become a Karanguni? Yeah. And then I just have to prove to her that what I'm doing is worthwhile and uh, no income is coming in. I'm able to support myself. And then slowly, um, she's, she sees the positive uh, message that I'm, I'm bringing to everyone. And uh, that's where she became, uh, my family became more, more supportive. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I think that's usually the case, right? I mean, in the beginning, they're always like, a bit apprehensive. Like, huh, are you sure you want to be this? You know, that kind of thing. Then after a while, when you... Yeah. When you slowly build up and then you show them that hey, actually it's such a, like a valuable career that you that I'm in, then they suddenly realize, oh, actually, not so bad. Yeah, so when they see that that's really what you want to do, they definitely will, will support you. Mm, correct, correct. Especially if it's something that makes you happy. I'm sure like families will support you in the end. I think, yeah, that's the, it's the same for most, most parents. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, um... After all this, wow, would you actually consider um, what you're doing a success? Like, do you think that you have reached the success or the goal that you wanted in the beginning? I think I would say yes. Uh, because my, my definition of uh, success is to influence more people to take up upcycling as, a, as an activity or like a, a habit or like an interest. And uh, also, uh, the feedback that I got recently or over the past years was that uh, every time they search for upcycling in Singapore or like pallet wood, definitely they will go to Triple Eyelid, which is something that I am quite proud of. So uh, I would say that uh, it, it, my definition would be if someone thinks about you every time they have the thought of upcycling or the, the term that you're doing, I would say that that is quite successful. Oh, okay, yeah. So like every time they think of upcycling, they think of triple eyelid, and then they're like, yeah, that's the place that I'll go. Am I right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, is there any further goals or aspirations that you have for your business or for yourself? Yes. Uh. So now, right now, we are trying to um get more um school and corporate uh workshops to spread the awareness of uh, upcycling. So we are doing uh, we are we are doing a lot of corporate workshops with our uh, clients, um, for example, like Shell, you know, 3M, uh, Exxon Mobil. So they they have their own CSR program in their company. So this is like a a good uh, workshop and worthwhile workshop for them. And also we are doing more primary school children workshop because I, I believe that the idea of upcycling, recycling should start from a young age and they could influence their seniors to do the same. Mm, okay. How are the workshops so far? Are they more aware of upcycling after they left the workshop? Yeah, so we got quite quite positive feedback from uh workshops. So most most corporate clients and, and schools uh teachers actually tell us that 
know, they, they brought the message back, especially since they get to make something using their own hand mm. and they, they will try to spread the, the awareness to people around them. So I think it's, it's quite a good feedback. Mm, yeah, I can, I can see how this actually relates to the, your definition of success because you are actually influencing uh, people around you about upcycling. And then maybe every time they think about upcycle, they will think about um, triple eyelid. So we, we do uh, school seminars as well. So like especially I like to talk to mm-hmm. young entrepreneurs who uh, before they start their business, maybe they could incorporate the mindset of uh, sustainability when they start their own business. Mm. What do you usually uh, share with these young entrepreneurs? Uh, I would tell them to, number one, not use money from yourself. Try to get sponsors because your funds might run out, you know, even before you get your first client. So if it's possible, try to get a stable capital first and also definitely have a supportive family, you know, try to get the message across. You need to market yourself right. And especially uh, words of mouth when you first started off, that's, that's the most important thing. If you do things right, people will start to spread the word for you. Okay, okay. So um, just now you mentioned that in the beginning you didn't really have a lot of support from your family. Did you feel like alone when you started off or were you like you didn't care and you just wanted to do what you wanted to do? Yeah, actually, yeah, you're very right. I, I didn't really care. <laughs> I just do what I, I have to do. Yeah, that's, uh, my family understands that that's, what, uh, that's my character. I, once I think I should do something, I will just go ahead. So if... um. If I were to walk into your studio one day, what would I actually see you doing? Uh, most of the time, we right now, I'm not so much uh, involved in the production because I have a very good team um, helping me out with the production. So I'm more of um, doing prototyping and designing new products and also planning new workshops to conduct in the future. So uh, you can just drop by the workshop and I can just bring you around and maybe you can do something simple. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, that, would sound, that sounds quite nice. I might actually take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. You have had a lot of um, clients over the years. Maybe you can share with us, like, what is the project that you have enjoyed so far? Enjoy, I think most of the projects are quite enjoyable. Uh, but when, when you're doing the, the bigger projects, it's actually um, the most tiring, but the most um, uh, rewarding. So this year, actually, we, we actually um, set up for WWF Earth Hour. I'm not sure if you heard about it. Yeah, it was at uh, MBS, yeah. Oh, so what did you do in that, for that? We actually did all the booths, um, all the vendor booths and the workshop uh, area. So everything was actually, and, and also the chill-out area. Uh, we actually set up most of the, the structures on site using pallets and, and upcycle materials. So after the event, we actually took back every single screw and brackets and material and reused them. So that was, I think, quite, quite, yeah, that was quite uh, ambitious of us, but we did it anyway, yeah. So something, something that we really want to change in the future is also the, the events community because right now events in Singapore are very wasteful. Every time they set up panels, after the event, they will just tear it down and throw away. Something that we find very wasteful. Okay, I actually did think about when I was going to a few events, thinking about where what happens to all the like the, the makeshift or the fixtures that they put up. 
Like, do they keep it for next next event or do they just throw it away? So they just usually throw it away? Most of the time, yeah, they will just throw it away. It just makes more sense uh, and efficiency. Mm. Yeah, because I think there's no space also. I mean, where do they want to keep and they don't know if they're going to use the, the stuff again. Okay, okay. Right. Definitely. The storage in Singapore is also quite, quite expensive. Did you have difficulty for yourself when it comes to storage? Thinking, like, considering that you have to pick up all the used materials and keep it somewhere so that when you have a project, you can just... Yeah, initially, there, there was the constraint of space because we only had a very small studio. Uh, but three years ago, we, we moved in to, uh, to Excel's industrial supplies uh, factory. So we are able to use their space as well. Um, so yeah, using their space, we can actually do bigger projects and we're more confident in taking out bigger roles in the, the uh, event site. Mm, okay, so Excel actually rented out uh, part of their space for you guys to do your working uh, projects, is it? Yep. Mm, okay, okay, so that's located in, is it Jurong? Yes, uh, it's at near, near Jukun area, so it's at the Lok Yang Road. If you go to our website, you will see that address. Okay, so is that the only location that you have right now? Uh, right now, the factory is the only location that we are conducting workshops, but uh, in the near future, we have actually another location in Yishun, Yishun Central. So we are working with uh, another uh, organization to bring our working workshops closer to the people. Oh, so the one in Yishun is going to be more of a workshop than a factory? Or is it going to be both? Yeah, it's going to be a workshop and class and educational kind of uh, okay, space. Okay. So, um, recently, do you see an increase in number of um, Singaporeans who are interested in taking up woodworking? Uh, yeah, I think uh, more Singaporeans are, maybe they, they find that making your, your own furniture is more worthwhile and uh, it's also the bragging rights. You can tell your friends that, hey, <laughs> yeah, I made that's true. that. <laughs> if I were to quit my job tomorrow and maybe start my own carpentry studio, what advice would you give me? Uh, I would say maybe not straight away. Just uh, start it on on a, a side side job kind of thing. Just hone your skills first. You know, get more exposure to to different types of skills that that you can find online. Just first try to hone some skills. You know, do it at home or do it in sharing studio, and then uh, also get some financial support. You know, don't just take everything out from your pocket. <laughs> It's going to run out very fast. Mm, so you have mentioned that about um, asking other people to fund you. So did you actually have that problem when you were starting out your business? Yeah, so uh, I was I was quite um, stupid to, to use my own savings as capital. Mm, I mean, I guess I thought um, people said, oh, you know, don't don't take money from other people. They're going to ask like, for equity from you and all that. that you should. I think you should have a good idea and then you can pitch to someone who likes the idea. Uh, it's mutually beneficial. I don't see why mm -hmm. you cannot get support or financial support from someone who's more capable. Um, like in my case, I actually work with Excel Industrials Supplies right now. So uh, our companies are actually merging. So they are able to provide me with materials, support, uh, financial and workers. We, we are able to take up so much more projects right now because, you know, sharing resources instead of me doing everything by myself. Hmm, yeah, actually that sounds pretty good on your end that you actually don't have to worry about a lot of other things that you would have if you were all by yourself, right? 
Yeah, yeah. So a lot of uh, small companies are struggling because of payroll, because mm. of uh, renter. So these are the things that are you know, just blocking your way from doing more, more meaningful things. Mm. Okay, so how did you actually find Excel to take a chance on your business? Uh, we actually met in, oh, uh, yeah, we met in XBC, the, the, the workshop that you mentioned just now. Oh, the one in the, the Home Fix workshop. Yeah, your Home Fix, yeah. So I, I was actually renting a, a small space in XBC. I was uh, like a co-sharing crafter there. And uh, we met, so they, they saw what I was doing and they were interested because they had a lot of uh, materials that were unused. So they asked if I was interested to come in and use their materials and slowly we call it collaborate more. And uh, right now we're just um, merging into into one big family. Oh, okay, okay. That's, that's actually nice to hear that you guys found each other in like a common space like XBC. Mm-hmm. So now we've reached to is the favorite part of my podcast, which is the rapid fire questions. Okay. So in this um, round, I'll ask you ten questions, and then you have to answer them as fast as possible. Okay, I'll try. Ready? Yeah. First job. Oh, my first job is a uh, interior designer. Your worst job. My worst job was a waiter. So what did you want to be when you grew up? I wanted to be a superhero. How do people know when you're stressed? I keep quiet. Texting or talking? Texting. Favorite day of the week? Friday. Ah, yes, like me. <laughs> Favorite holiday destination? Uh, Thailand. Oh, really? Oh, why exactly? Mass. I like the people there. Yeah. They're really nice. Oh, friendly. Okay, okay. Um, the person that you call when you have good news? Uh, my mom. And the last question is, what is your favorite ice cream flavor? The, 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 the alcoholic one. Rum and raisin? Ram, Ram and Rezi, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that's my favorite, yeah. <laughs> so I want to thank you, Jackie, for taking the time to share your journey with us. I think I I really enjoyed your interview and hearing your story. You have left me feeling inspired. Maybe I won't start a carpentry workshop right, right away, but I might just reconsider going back and taking another few more courses. You're welcome to, to drop by our workshop anytime. Uh, I can show you around. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll surely take you up on that. Okay, so um, before we end this interview, um, maybe you can share with uh, the listeners how they can connect with you and where they can find more information about the studio. Yeah, sure. Uh, we are most active in Instagram and Facebook. So just uh, search for Triple Eyelid, T-R-I-P-L-E-E-Y-E-L-I-D. So that's a double E. Okay. Actually, I'm quite curious now that you now that I um, spoke about Triple Eyelid again. How did you come up with the name Triple Eyelid? What was the idea behind it? Okay, so the Triple Eyelid, I actually, when I first started the studio, I realized that uh, after a tiring day, you get an extra eyelid. So if you have a single eyelid, you get double. If you have double eyelid, you get triple. So uh, it's just a metaphor to show how hard and how passionate we work. So that's just always a reminder. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Because um, when I first like Triple Eyelid, I wonder what was that, the inspiration behind uh the name of the company. Okay, that's interesting. So it, it kind of reflects like uh, how much work and effort that you guys put into the into the company and building your things. Yeah, definitely. Every single item is actually, um, you know, we, we design it and build it by uh, ourselves and it's really uh, out of hard work. Yeah. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the episode. I really appreciate it. I hope you guys got some value bombs from today's guest. 
Also, it would be awesome if you click subscribe so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, if you find value in this podcast, please leave a rating and share this podcast with a friend. Have a great day ahead and see you next week on the Sipping Tea Podcast.